Boston Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Go Bell Podcast. Storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but ultimately it's exciting. The biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. I all right, so okay. we're back here with another episode of the Big Belt, Gold Belt Podcast. Blah, 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 blah. Um, this is uh, it's Wednesday today. Uh, this is two chains here. We're pretty much gonna talk about the second week after the draft, as far as the Raw brand, um, SmackDown brands, and just other miscellaneous things that's going on right now. And since it's Wednesday, we're obviously all looking forward to actually some good wrestling that's gonna come on tonight, which is the NXT brand and the CWC. Um, with me tonight, I have uh, Mr. Silly Sellis. What's going on, brother? What's, what's going on? Good to be back. I missed a couple of shows, but good to be back on once again. Yep, yep. And uh, our good fellow friend, our Indies resident expert, Mr. Jamal the Giant Crab is here with us. What's going on, people? You know, you know, you know what we're here for. They know why you're here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm in the spotlight already. Um, before we get into some wrestling, we're going to give y'all a quick little, uh, you know, off air I said spoiler, but you know what, I don't even care, spoiler, non-spoiler, but definitely we're about to give you guys a quick little review from, um, Suicide Squad, a screening, um, that me and Jamal attended last night, um, he's definitely more of the critic guy than I am, so I'm definitely going to just give him the the time, the spotlight, you go ahead and give the fans what you felt about it, uh, what would you rate it, and, you know, DV, is it a DVD, is it a go see it on release night, or what? So, go for it. Well, Suicide Squad is the, uh, the big deal from Warner Brothers and DC Comics. It's part of the DC Extended Universe, and... It's, uh, it opens this Friday in theaters uh, uh, worldwide. I saw it last night, not in IMAX and not in 3D, which could have had something to, uh, to play about the movie, but it's getting a lot of bad press online. Uh, the critics hate it for some reason. And I think part of it, they don't understand what the movie's about. It is supposed to be dark. It is supposed to be a bit gritty, a bit edgy, a bit crazy. And it does all of that. That's not a bad thing. However, there are some points of contention for, for me in the movie. Um, no spoilers, but Viola Davis and Margot Robbie uh, as Amanda Waller and absolutely steal the show. One of the reasons to see the movement you know, for a bit. Um, Jay Hernandez, Diablo, you know, but, yeah, Amanda Wally Quinn, if they were to have... Harley Quinn's getting her own movie uh, sooner or later. Definitely looking forward to that when I wasn't before. But Suicide Squad it certainly isn't worth the 31% that it's getting to Rotten Tomatoes. It does have the action. The special effects are crazy. The story really isn't all there. That's probably the biggest uh, problem with it. However, that's up to you. If you want to spend 20 bucks and see something, some popcorn munching action, then cool. It's worth your 20 bucks. And I, I need a little bit more than that. So for my final grade, I'm going to give it a C plus. It's not the worst thing in the world. Certainly better than what Ron Tomatoes is giving it. But it definitely has room for improvement. And it feels too much like Guardians of the Galaxy that came out in 2000. I didn't like um, you know, it's, it's, there's no reason to care about these individuals. Uh, uh, Harley Quinn stands out, but it was kind of a bore, even despite the special effects. And all the special effects in the world can't save a movie if it really doesn't have a credible story. So DC needed a win with this one. They're not going to get it today. Hopefully the Wonder Woman, the movie that comes out, does better for them. But uh, I don't know who's mopping the floor with them. And uh, it's going to be interesting to, see, interesting to see what happens next. But uh, you can catch all of my reviews, including a very in-depth one of Suicide Squad that I'm at realfilmnews.com. If uh, you want to talk movies and wrestling, uh, especially 
anti Roman Reigns. Uh, I'm all for that. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Giant Crab K R A B B. All right, there you go. Also, uh, also next week, um, I'm see- tomorrow. I'm seeing Cubo and the, uh, the Two Swords, which is a like stop motion film, which looks great. And next week, I'm seeing Hell of High Water, which looks like I've heard it described as a white menace to society, set of the West, which <laughs> looks kind of awesome. So. Interesting. Oh, ton of reviews and stuff coming I might be down to be kidnapped for that. Well, let me know. <laughs> Simple as that. That's all Monday. Hey, Cindy Sellers, you want to get in there? Any questions for him? In in the fan, in the perspective of a fan who hasn't seen it, but you know, maybe intrigued on going to see it. I do have a question. Now, ask this, it's a two part question. I ask the question that I asked off air. And I'll, I'll put a twist to it. The question I ask off air, let's say by yourself on, if you have a good AMC and it's like a six dollar movie day before 12, should I see it then? Or can I see it if I want to go see it by myself? Or maybe about 10 bucks, like a, a local, not cheap movie theater, but a movie theater that gets a d- decent price. And one thing I want to add is you said it won't get a win against the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But do you feel with the buildup of what, Wonder Woman, possibly Aquaman could be in the Justice League movie that's coming out next November. Do you see this could be a run of DC movies that can maybe outdo um, over long terms? Because if we think about what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing with Infinity Part 1 and 2, just Infinity how Captain America seems to be done, Spider-Man's coming up, but then with Infinity War featuring Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, do you think this is the time that DC could try to make that move to be the number one comic book movie th- uh, universe right, right now? Um, if, if I could, man, Steam music, no chance in hell. And it's not because the movies are inherently bad. It's just that compared to what Marvel's been doing consistently well for the last 10 plus years, mm-hmm. uh, no chance. Uh, to answer your first question quickly, I wouldn't spend more than six bucks for it. I do live near a better movie theater, maybe like a cop cinema down in Florida, where you can. I, I do recommend the uh, um, Honey Barbecue Ribs if you're going to a cop cinema. If you're um, um, out there in uh, New York, you know, we're seeing it in 4DX, Wix, and stuff like that. I'm out there in uh, Los Angeles as well. Chicago as well, that may be something that uh, can enhance the movie here locally in Washington, D.C., the Air and Space Museum. They're showing it um, for a couple weekends out there in Dallas and downtown. The screen is 70 foot tall by 65. So those, a better theater can enhance the movie. But if you were to watch it at like, you know, a regular you know, 200 other mouth breathers, I would pay six bucks and see it at the church on Sunday morning. Um, guys, and let me also add, add one more shout out. Ames and your Charlotte, uh, or excuse me, Carolina Panthers. Speaking of the second town, a hometown, uh, the epicenter that really is like a restaurant inside the movie theater where they attend to you for any drinks or food needs that you can have to see. Um, it's a great experience at the epicenter. Yeah, the cop, the cop cinemas in Florida, Georgia, and uh, um, Virginia have that experience. It's called Cinebistro. Um, I've seen, I've been there in Tampa, uh, and uh, it's a great experience where they bring the food to you. Uh, the Honey Barbecue Ribs were amazing, and um, the uh, Chipotle Nachos outstanding uh, were super special as well. Uh, but as far as like as far as I can, I compare it to the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe in any way. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Because different sides are well; they're just plain different. Tone. It yep. may not be as it certainly isn't as friendly, isn't as warm as the normal stuff is. Um, their issues are based on more graphic um, uh, undertones, like you know, is based on his parents' murder. Right? Actually, a lot of guys got um, where DC they're trying to like overthrow the government, man, and and like they're trying to the mutants, man. So it's you know. For what it's worth, the two tones are different. Certainly, it's kind of unfair, and it really does come down to your own personal enjoyment. I love The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, not The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, the, the second one. And I would say that's as good as anything that's come out in the last 10 years. But Wonder Woman turned things into the right direction. 
Well, obviously still, they're showing the Batman Superman movie. They still have some characters to introduce if they want to do Justice League, right? Where's Martian Manhunter? Where's Hawkgirl? Will they mention Teen Titans at all? Teen Titans! Anyway. <laughs> that, that happened. That happened, folks. Um, <laughs> so, you know, over the next year and a half, we have a lot of ground to cover, and cool, I don't think so. Unless Marvel apps just trashes it. But then again, we haven't seen the two main players in the game by or Thanos. Well, we haven't seen Thanos since the first Avengers in 2012, and there's been no mention of Dark Side at all. How could you not if you're if you're Warner Brothers? Get it done. So, unfortunately for DC, their cartoons are better than the movies. And if you've seen The Killing Joke recently, I love that one. Uh, Under the Red Hood was amazing. So, um, $200 million to make these movies, and they're not making their money back. And that's... To throw it to you, so never go rated R, right? I mean, we had a sprinkle of Deadpool being rated R, you know, R, but basically, if you want any of these big time moves, they have to go PG 13 R. The need to go R is another thing. Like we see in WWE, this whole business about being rated TV PG is kind of moot because NXT is, and that's arguably their best wrestling on television consistently right now. Yep. That's the same thing. So do we need the, the Attitude Era to give us the wrestling that we want? No, we just want good wrestling. Uh, do they need to go rated R? Uh, not necessarily for adult stories that doesn't necessarily need to show graphic violence. Suicide Squad, I believe, is rated PG-13, and that's because they didn't hear the graphic violence they didn't show um, uh, um, sex. There was, no, there was nothing sexy about it, except for Margot Robbie. Um, <laughs> you know, for PG-13, was it Deadpool? Well, obviously not. Not even close. Uh, does it right. cross that boundary? Successful? Well, then what a success? Making more money or, or being a better movie? Uh, I just think they need to tell the story that they need to tell. They need, and if that's a means to an end, like, well, we need to see, have Hulk so that we can get to Iron Man. Okay, fine. But it's it's too hard to say right now because there's so much left unsaid. Whereas Marvel, you know what's coming. You know that Black Panther's coming. You know the dark. You know that the Inhumans are coming. So... And you know that the two-part Infinity War is coming. With DC, you know the Justice League is coming. But where is everybody? The Green Lantern. Uh, you know, who... When are they going to build their giant space station in the sky? Um, and I think they can save their R-rated stuff for Netflix. Um, it's truly rated R if it were a movie, but it's definitely edgier than uh, the movies that have come out. Uh, the Punisher, that's going to be a thing. As well. All right. You know, it's funny. I didn't even get my two cents about that at all because... You didn't see it. <laughs> and I'm very much a fan. I don't even want that to be misconstrued at all. But I don't know. I mean, what one, one thing I look at it is um, if there's a platform for me to see it uh, um, early and free, then I'm, I will, my butt would be in a seat. But then it just comes down to the discussion of what do I, what do I suggest other people to do after it comes out, you know? So... I don't know. They're going to keep making money forever like and ever and ever. With the um, animated bat wings uh, flying through the movie theater. I'm not even going to give that. Time. I'm not even going to give that and that next to that any time on this show at all, at all, at all, at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, let's get. I'm about to get into some wrestling because yeah, that <laughs> that is. Whoo, yeah, yeah, that, that happened last night. We touched a nerve, folks. We just touched a nerve. So anyway, moving forward, um, yeah, second week of Raw and SmackDown after the draft, um, you know, I'm going to be honest, not so much excitement, but a lot of different, uh, a lot of interesting different aspects of the approach for the brands um, that I'm kind of feeling and some I'm kind of not. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with SmackDown. We'll talk about, uh, you know, I guess we could break it down to some pros and cons of the show and Ultimately, by the end of this, the big question is how are we feeling moving towards SummerSlam? I just this is a clear answer for us, but overall, like you know, what's our real feeling towards the towards watching it? Um, 
But SmackDown opened up with a mixed, I mean SmackDown Raw opened up with a mixed tag match, which I thought was cool. I haven't seen one in a very long time. Um, I can't stress enough how much I'm a fan of Jericho. He's, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if people would consider him a part-time wrestler, but he's been pretty much full-time, pretty much um, involved in a lot of main storylines, and Mike Skills is just always making fuse much more enjoyable. So um, he teamed up with Charlotte versus um, Sasha Banks, who uh, who will be, which Monday was her first uh, Monday Night Raw debuting with her belt, which is a really, really good feel. Very exciting. Um, I'm still not so that the fans last week deserved to have had that match, but none of that. Sasha Banks, she teamed up with, um, who who she teamed up with? Uh, Sasha Banks? Uh, Enzo. Oh, Enzo. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of flirting going on in the ring with that, but whatever. How you doing? <laughs> but, um, I mean, I thought yes. that was, I thought that was a, I thought that was a very good opening segment. Um, the mic work in the ring was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, there was some low blows in there that I'm not even sure that everybody quite grasped, but some of them was so blatant that you just had to be like, wow, like, you're the, you're the uh, daughter of Rip Flair. If it wasn't for a one-night stand, you wouldn't be here. I was like, wow, but yeah, uh, Sasha let her have it on that. But um, anyway, I just passed it around. What you guys thought about Raw? What were some of your pros? We'll start with the good stuff first, then we'll get into it. And, you know, ultimately, um, you know, since the draft, are you, are you still feeling as, as intrigued as you were the first week? A uh, highlight for me was Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. Just, I guess, talk amongst each other to start that uh, feud, to, to build up to it. I think it's a great feud. However, well, you say keep it. I think that was a great start to the feud just to give them, you know, at least combat because you don't realize uh, something. And in addition to that, I kind of like on with the Seamus and um, mm-hmm. his name. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, uh, Sami Zayn. With Seamus and Sami Zayn because. No, I'm sorry. Seamus and Cesaro. Excuse me. Um, with Seamus and Cesaro because I think that's a good way to figure out who can be the next in line as a potential feud um, as who can be the next world champion feud. Not saying that they won, but just to give them a, in a championship match, I think it's good. All of them, Owens and Chris Jericho to be teamed up. Um, they don't use that as an elevation to put uh, Kevin Owens in space, but having those two team up and what they could potentially do is great. When you think about great tag teams that Seem like it's a random mix-up. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Bryan. <laughs> when you think about Miz and Big Show, uh, Big Show and um, Chris Jericho. When you think about Stone Cold and Undertaker, when you have those random team-ups, it because it established them in a bigger level. But you might have them be an opportunity to get tag teams that have some like gold around their belt. As you know, Jericho can add another tag team to his belt, and then you can have. And I always attack you to as well. So those are three things I think are good going forward. The giant crab. Whatever, well, you I, I didn't see down uh, this week because I was in movies. So I guess uh, my biggest thing I have is now that we passed the draft, we are moving on to SummerSlam, which is not official uh, split brand pay per view, which will have champions uh, in or whatever they call them in, in September in Indianapolis, is, well, is there a difference between Raw and SmackDown? They stress the differences between the two. That SmackDown was going to be more, more or, or focused on wrestling, and Raw was one of the best superstars. Does it feel like a between the two, or is it still, well, SmackDown's the B show, so whatever. Do you want to answer that two chains, or do you want me to take all right. Nah, Sash, nah, you, you, you can take that question. I'm going to take it? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you ready now? Oh, I didn't even start yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, hold on. I'm going to count the five in my head. I'm going to just go. <laughs> this, this is live. 
Okay, hold on. I gotta apologize. I have to apologize for um for any technical difficulties in as far as the sound quality. I was partying with D Wayne too long, and it seemed to have rubbed off on my internet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm back. Um, this is legit Xfinity uh, internet cable. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Comcast. Oh, uh, it's, 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 it's on. It's on U.S. soil, so we're, we're all good to go. But yeah, so, we're not rocking that Afghanistan internet anymore. <laughs> nah, I'm not in nobody's cave, so. We're all good to go. Everything sounds good. So, Seth, yeah, go ahead and take that question. So, in my opinion, um, excuse me, I had a piece of ice cream because I thought I had a little bit more time while you went on your little in the cave rant with your internet. Okay, I'm back. So, to answer the question between Raw and SmackDown, I really think you can see the angles of the two type of shows that they're having, and it kind of mimics back to what they had back in the early 2000s between Raw and SmackDown. Raw is trying to boost up, okay, yeah, this is the A show, but this is where we're going to show our biggest type of wrestlers. We're going to show you our best wrestlers, hence the Seth Rollins, the Roman Reigns. I'm pretty sure we're going to add those cruiserweights, in which the cruiserweights can be a separate division in themselves, in which that cruiserweight is kind of a throwback to that, uh, that I guess, that attitude era when J.B. Noble was cruiserweight champion. He had Billy Kidman when the Invasion Angle was all said and done, and, you know, WWE had the full-on WCW roster, or at least the ones they wanted to keep. I think that's what Raw's trying to remnant. SmackDown is running like a show that's like a sports show, but realistic at the same time. Because what I noticed too, it's a lot of, well, even though Raw has done this too, it's been a lot, lot of in-ring interviews after matches. Well, how do you feel that you just won? How do you feel that you're about to do this now? And then with Renee Young being this little, I guess, background, but in the arena type segments where she has a little stage where... It's like a little, uh, I guess, mic'd up event where she's trying to have like some impromptu interviews. And I have it questions about like that. They're trying to make it a, a sports type show with the feel, but you still have to make sure you understand it. And even Jamal, you know, you mentioned it several times. With all types of media, if we're not sold on the story, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not going to be over to us, and we're not going to be invested in it. And that's why people you know, lose their time with WWE and don't choose to watch it and the ratings are low because they're not invested on the stories. Now, going back to what we kind of talked about off air, and I'm going to just bring it on air and dealing with Dolph Ziggler, who's currently the number one contender, that's like a story that you can get behind because it does mimic like a Daniel Bryan story. It does mimic um, what Cody Rhodes could have done, you know, as that person who's been in the veteran for a while, you know, that just hasn't got that chance to reach that back brass ring, and this show has given them an opportunity to reach that brass ring. So it, it's kind of, I think it's still too early to tell what they're going to do. I think also what's kind of bad with their timing is they can't have their own separate pay-per-views right after the draft because, once again, they went from Battleground going right to SummerSlam, but just two Twirl and SmackDown pay-per-views together. But like, like Jamal has said off the air, when we come to September where they have their different brand pay-per-views, that's going to really build up to what type of development they're making with their stories. Well, I have a question about that. Do, do you think since the, that the draft happened at an inopportune time, uh, what, what should there have been uh, a draft maybe after Survivor Series or uh, maybe uh, between the Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, maybe after WrestleMania immediately, which is kind of like the season finale of the wrestling season, if you at least believe the video games? Because uh, it seems this draft is kind of like thrown in the middle of everything. Right. We're just starting up for SummerSlam. Uh, getting that going. I, I would agree with you totally. I think the draft should always be right after WrestleMania because literally, when you think about it, it the, the WrestleMania, WrestleMania, excuse me, the wrestling calendar is broken down into four segments in the four seasons. You have your WrestleMania season, your SummerSlam season, your Survivor season, and then your Royal Rumble season. And I think right after the WrestleMania season, that's when everything should end, and you just start fresh over. So, in my honest opinion which may not sound sufficient or realistic at this point, but I think you should have another draft right after uh, WrestleMania. And that way, WrestleMania spot that raw after WrestleMania will always be your draft. And that way you can have it the same time every year, once a year, so you can keep things fresh and keep things uh, different. And that way you can use that as your big call-up point for your NXT, because you always bring up people from NXT anyway during that time. That can be your big draft component to, to draft those six or eight NXT people at that time. And that way you can spotlight, like you said, have a season where WrestleMania is your ending point, and then your first pay-per-view should be your individual brand pay-per-view since nothing really happens to Money in the Bank. 
So when you have your money in the bank, you can go back to you have your two money mm-hmm. banks, your raw one and then your SmackDown one, and that way it can continue to be fresh. I would agree with that totally. Personally, I think that and this will never happen. So before you call me crazy and say that I'm going off the deep end, I know that it'll never happen. I think that WrestleMania should be the end of the season as a season finale for the year that was. We crowned championships in, in every major team sport at the end of their season. Um, and I think that WrestleMania should be that culmination and then get off of the air. Right. I don't. I think that WWE should actually have an offseason. Maybe not necessarily from house shows. You know, go on tour and do your shows or whatever. Perfect your craft. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. But the the off season for television should be between WrestleMania and whatever the next pay per view after that is, and that may be like Backlash or No Mercy or whatever, or maybe even Money in the Bank. But then they could probably have the network special be the season premiere, and that is the draft. You mm-hmm. come back. Yeah, you, let's say that WrestleMania is on you know, April 1st, and then April 30th, you have the draft. That's a good four weeks off of TV. I can't miss you if you won't go away. Yeah. And then we have a brand new roster shakeup. Maybe we get some social media interaction saying that these guys are on the ineligible to be draft list mm-hmm. or the franchise tag. Let's put a franchise tag on somebody and say that they can't be drafted. Mm-hmm. So, and then we come back with the draft special, which leads into the, which is the night before money of the um, yeah money of the bank or something like that. And then of course you can start your season over, taking you through the summer and into the fall. And then we can go into the brand specific pay per views, which I would hope to be like Bash at the Beach in July, mm-hmm. and then SummerSlam in August. Maybe we go um, you know, fall brawl in September, mm-hmm. or come up with some new concepts for SmackDown and Raw. But we definitely need to differentiate between the two shows because right now. I'm just seeing a whole lot of repolished stuff from the 2002 draft, 2003 2004 draft, uh, with just you know same stuff, different characters. Yep. I have to agree as well. You guys, you guys saying so much. I agree with. I'm sitting here like, man, is there anything I can say different? <laughs> I want to be a rebel, a rebellion for a little bit, but uh, a rebel for a little bit. But um. I have to say right now while I'm watching NXT, there's a lot of nice boots in the ring as the Revival oh, versus yeah, TM61. Yeah. The mighty don't kneel. But, I don't know. Yeah. It's really not a lot of intrigue. That that says a lot for me going into as we're like three weeks out of SummerSlam. Um, some, there is some interesting things. Like, I, I like what they're doing with Braun Strowman right now. Um, but, um, I mean, it's, it's, as far as this role by itself, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're basically seeing the same type of storylines, and that's basically, basically because of uh, roster placement, where you've seen Fuse that was there before the draft still there, so you're getting the same thing. Like, this whole Mark Henry and Rusev thing, I, okay. But um, we all saw that coming from a mile away. Do you think that that's a time? Do you think that's a tie-in with the Olympics, considering that Comcast distributes WWE programming, and they also own NBC? That's what I was thinking. I was like, they would put Mark Henry for the title. Just like one week, send him down to Brazil, bring him right back just to show, hey, this is your WWE U.S. champion, Mark Henry, walking with Michael Phelps, who's holding the torch, you know. And, and former Olympian. Yes, and he's a former Olympian. And that way, since you said it, Comcast and, and Universal are all, you know, teamed up with the USA, NBC, which is showing the coverage of the Olympics. I thought that would have been perfect, free, quick, one-week, two-week promos or whatever. And, and you send Mark Henry down, and, of course, he, uh, he'll bring some publicity to your morning news shows and stuff like that. I thought they were going to do a cheap, you know, pop with that, but they didn't go that route. Yeah, instead, mm-hmm. instead we've seen the match that we've seen... So many more of the time, so. I love the story that everybody was telling on Twitter about how it was going to work, but yeah, uh, no. And uh, and to tie in what you guys just said, but yeah, no. uh, mm -mm. First of all, whenever you make a reference to USA in your promo going against Rusev, it backlashes against you. Look, you're either John Cena or you're not. That's just the bottom line. Like, if if Mark Henry would have said, I'm going to be John Cena and go out there and beat Rusev, I'd be like, oh, there we go. It comes away, but whatever. But um, the big interesting thing from that night is that, obviously, um, we see that uh, Jamal's favorite wrestler, Roman Reigns, got demoted to the mid-card, obviously, as a feud between him and Rusev is uh, a storming up. And it got a huge pop. Now, I was wrong. I I felt that um, I felt that 
Okay, first of all, before I say I'm wrong, people that were saying that he was getting cheered because he put Finn Balor over the week before is completely bananas. And, yeah, like I don't even know how that even how that even works, but but uh, I didn't know. I forgot about his collegiate football career with Jamal. I, I, I definitely put me on to that. Uh, he Georgia Tech. Yeah, forgot all about that. So. Um, and he also pointed out that Georgia Tech is the premier football school in Georgia. And, and it is right in Atlanta. In, in Atlanta. Maybe right, in Atlanta. Atlanta. I'm sorry, right. It is right there in Atlanta. So um, he's definitely right about that. But, I mean, as far as it being a punishment, I mean, it's a punishment. I mean, they put him right back in a few for another title. I mean, maybe this works. But, I mean, was this really what they needed to do to actually get chairs on this guy? Because this is probably the... We haven't heard cheers from this guy since he was with the Shield. So I think this is the only effective way you had to do it because it's, if you're trying to make this guy like this is, it's trying to be your number one face, to be a D guy, the one to beat John Cena, you have to put him in this type role where Rusev can probably have the biggest heat out of anybody in the company on Raw as far as mid-card type people. And that's the perfect way to set him up to, to make him face again. Uh, does this, this is not working next week. Uh, the boos are back. Yeah, where, where, where are they next week? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the boos are back, so be prepared for that. Well, I think one of the things that we talked about last night was that Roman Reigns' character isn't relatable. Um, a lot of the guys get over, whether they're coming from the Indies or they were raised up in WWE, is that your character on screen is just a turned up or possibly turned down personification of your actual, you know, nature. Uh, you know, if you look at the New Day, when they started out, they were like Kirk Franklin and God's Property, uh, which is a totally different thing than, you know, they were healed for a long time, but nobody knew it because they liked them so much. Right. Um, Kevin Owens has been running the same gimmick uh, since his Ring of Honor and PWG and, you know, Evolve days. Uh, Sami Zayn, same gimmick. Steve Austin, uh, you know, he turned... A, um, a bad gimmick into a good one, and now we know him as Stone Cold because he used the real-life uh, instances of being fired by everybody and kind of uh, second-guessed and neglected and the backstage politics and brought that to the forefront. And that's how we got King of the Ring uh, at, at that famous uh, promo that he cut. Yep. So I don't think Roman Reigns, who I've seen in interviews, not be completely hateable. Like, he's an actual person. He can have fun. He can do a legit interview um, and be a likable person. So I get why they put him in a suit and want him to be the face of the place after John Cena leaves, if he ever leaves. But <laughs> and I think that you know, Cena will be 87 years old and still be there talking about you can't see me. But, <laughs> but now that but for whatever reason, that isn't translated on camera. Whether the Miz is well, the Miz has been that person since the real world. Right? Yes, he has. yes, he has. You know, he the Miz is the, the wrestling character. He was that guy on TV twenty something years ago on the real world. Yep. So, but what is Roman Reigns' character? Um, Kevin Owens, when he came to NXT, said, "I don't care who you are. I'm playing for my family." But that's a story that I can get behind. I may not agree with the actions that you used to get there, but the premise is just. What is Roman Reigns? He's the guy. He's the dude. He's the man behind the man making a sandwich. Like, I don't understand what he's doing. <laughs> so There's no such thing as a super Samoan. We just have to remember that, okay? That's right. He's, he's Samoan. Enough said. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though. He, he would never even be remembered as the best Samoan. Yet, The Rock, who is I, no doubtly the best Samoan wrestler of time, has never referred to himself as a super Samoan. No. No, I mean, even when he was Samoan, when he was back when Rocky Maivia, um, you know, that was still, that wasn't that guy, and he transformed into The Rock after right. the transformation. So it's still like, I understand that Roman Reigns is beyond reproach uh, in that there's no saving him. I just think that they need to let him be him and actually give, let him drive his own ship and not, you know, hold his hand so much. Now the question is, is, is he able to do that? Or is WWE treating Roman Reigns with kid gloves because they need to? That's a great question. And my question to you back to that is, could you put him in one of these movies like they did The Miz and Mr. Kennedy and Dean Ambrose? Could you put in Randy Orton? Could you put him in one of these little movies 
where he does like a 12 rounds and he can be his natural self. Did you see that? <laughs> what? Wait, time out. Time out. Time out. No one has ever. <laughs> it's so funny. He said 12 rounds. Like, yeah, 12 rounds because that's the movie where nobody was really their self in it. So, absolutely him. 12 rounds. If it's 12 rounds in the chamber or 12 rounds for him to complete all the goals he's supposed to be, it would definitely work for him. Yeah, he'll be, he's a natural superstar. I mean, that might be the only time he might only be believable is because everybody knows this is obviously a movie. That's his, well, that's his future think, career. If you look at Kane and see no evil, uh, you know, that's, not some, that's not far from his wrestling persona. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that was actually arguably the best movie that he's been in. You I said Kane? Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like, I like see no evil. I, I thought Kane yeah. did a good job. Yeah. So you know, when you look at like uh, you know Eminem in Eight Mile, which is like my favorite example of a person that's acting but not actually acting, True. just personifying themselves. True. Um, you know, I don't doubt that you know Eminem's role in Eight Mile was ninety-seven percent uh, a reflection of his actual. Uh, you know, himself. Yep. And, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers get over by being a reflection of themselves. Again, exactly. Um, Bray Wyatt. I mean, if you if you've seen him outside of uh, you know, wrestling, you know, that's that's the guy. That's that's what he does. Corey Graves, his NXT persona. But then we we'll uh, see that on television. Then that's that's what he does. Those tattoos are real. Um, CM Punk, Triple H, you can list it, you know, like yeah. Ric Flair, saying yeah. who they are. Like, nobody's going to remember Hunter Hearst Helm, the, the, uh, the billionaire aristocrat, uh, coming the, out wearing, like, the lime green robe and stuff. But don't forget about the dogs, the dogs, too. Right. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, I don't think Roman Reigns has found that, that, that thing, that sweet spot, where he can take that persona and craft it and mold it and work on it. And get it to where he needs to be to get himself over. Because if he doesn't believe himself, then how do we believe him? Look, he, right. does, he, needs, he, believe he needs to be Val Venus 2.0, and that would just make everybody happy. That He's, actually would not make you happy, no. Uh, I couldn't I, see that either. I, I don't need to see Roman Reigns and Ryan Shamrock uh, making uh, bad movies together. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. back reference. That's right. By the way, I want to I want to make it very clear when I say everybody that excluded me, but, but everybody that actually likes him will make them happy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I even like his his uh, his move set, and we've talked about Roman Reigns way too much, by the way. Yeah, but his move set, uh, the five moves of doom. Goldberg did it, and he got over. Spicey <laughs> did it, he made a career of it. I mean, how many times did The Rock run a quarter mile to do people's elbow, and people hit that up? I can't even. So, be- I can't even believe that that actually finished off some people. Yeah, electrify mood and sports entertainment. I can't even yeah. believe that. Yeah. Dude, do run a half marathon and finish it with an elbow drop, and people went bananas over. <laughs> and ten people, one, two, three. Right. Right. So. But it's it's all about the delivery. It's about it's not just the wrestling that makes the wrestler. It's the it's the entire package. It's the total package, uh, to quote uh, the total package. And you need to be that guy. And that's why Roman Reigns has been so rebuked because we don't believe him. Ty Dillinger is getting over. He's Ten. getting me over Ten. because exactly. Ten. And even though I don't like those gimmicks where a person has to be consistently number one, because what happens when you're number when you lose? Exactly. Like you, you can't do you can't lose if you're number one, and that's not realistic. But he, but still, Dillinger's winning me over because he's putting the wrestling with um with the uh, the mic work. Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't speak well. He speaks English to a point, but it's still he, the wrestling is certainly there. Uh-huh. With the balance of wrestling and mic work is there. Oscar doesn't have to speak English. <laughs> Yep. And she's getting over. Uh-huh. And even though, and I, and I hear, and NXT is about to go off as we taped this, so I guess it's safe to, to say that uh, the rumors are that Oscar's going to work heel versus Bailey um, at uh, Brooklyn uh, Takeover Two or Electric Boogaloo. So cool, but she won't say a word in English, and she just still convey that message that. Yeah, she's the person that you do not want to mess with. Well, she, she just has to just scream out a lot of stuff, and everybody's going to cheer. Sorry, right. but that, well, that's that's know. what happens when you're over. Right. You know what though? But you know, on the same note though, the New Day make a lot of urban references, and I'm almost about seventy percent sure that everybody's not even grasping it half the time. No one, no one gets it. Yeah, 
The major key I'm thing, gonna... the major key that Morrow made the other uh, on SmackDown was cool. Uh, New Day makes major key DJ Khaled references. I'm almost sure, like, unless you're like Snapchatting his whole life, like you're not even gonna catch some of that stuff. So right, right. Ooh. Uh, and a lot of stuff is like Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that they do, you know, gets a lot of the, the work, and they're getting over with the crowd, and that's great. Um, that's great. We thought originally when Enzo Murray was injured, what will Colin Cassidy do? And obviously, he's maintained, so kudos to him. What, but, what do you but, mean but by that? There's some people that just have that, and there's some people that, that don't, and Roman Reigns is a guy that's, well, he don't. Exactly. No more Roman Reigns talk. I'm serious. No. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting it right <laughs> there. Anyway... Uh, Raw happened, SmackDown happened. SmackDown was a little bit uh, under exciting. Um, the Eva Marie thing, I mean, sure, oh, I we can talk that. about. No, before we get to that, because that's clearly going to be another conversation. Um, it's good that Bray Wyatt wasn't hurt. I like I, I like what Bray Wyatt's doing. I'm, I am intrigued for the Dolph Ziggler Dean Ambrose match. I think there's, there was some good mic work done on that. The Miz has been really good. Um, Apollo Creed, he died a long time ago. But um, the person that um, Dave Brown was referring to is the number one contender. I mean, I'm sorry. The person Dave Brown was referring to died. But the person that actually won the match, Apollo Crews, is going to be the number one contender uh, against um, The Miz, which obviously I hope The Miz is to retain because he's the more intriguing person. First of all, they need to work on Apollo Crews' whole personification because I don't even understand that guy right now. Talent, yeah. And... I don't know. It's just not. It's not something to remember in the ring, so to say. His wrestling, yeah, but I mean, he does have to put. There has to be a person behind that smile, and I'm just not grasping who that person is, you know. Um, it, but, well, not to bring him up, but it's you know he who must not be named. It's the same story. We're not. We're convinced that you can do the work in the ring, but what of it? Exactly. What, what's your character? You know, great comparison. But he he was more he that cannot be named was more technical when you got Apollo Cruz is more like a powerful type wrestler. But once again, you can't just you have to build some type of character behind it. Right. Right, because Apollo Cruz has like the personality of a baked potato. I mean sure it's kinda of interesting to see it there cooking, but it's still a baked potato. Yep. Yeah, and, and and that is a regular baked potato, which means that that is less interesting than the Mr. Potato that actually exists. Yeah, so. it, it's, no, <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. Like, Apollo Crews just has no sour cream. No, no sour cream whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe a sprinkle of butter, but no sour cream. Yeah, Apollo Crews is pretty much like when you got a, um, a whole aluminum foil uh, object in the shape of a potato and you open it up. You're like, oh, I can't wait to eat this potato, but it's actually a sweet potato, so you're pretty much disappointed because you're like, this is not what I ordered, but you just sit it aside because it's just a potato anyway, you know. And you never can make those pie with that sweet potato either. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we, we agree that a pile cruise is officially a yam. <laughs> no nope. circle yam, the circle six pack yams that you can get out of giant Prime. Nope. No, sugar, uh-huh. no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. Flavorless yam. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the the, the I, I think he's a pile of yams at one of your friends' house that you're like, yeah, he's not cooking it like how my mom is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So edible, still edible, but nah. Uh, yeah, when they say hi, is it? And you kind of just have to smile. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So let, let's be clear. This is the only type of wrestling insight that you're going to find on this podcast. You're not going to find this kind of insight anywhere else. Not Apollo at all. Cruz, Wrestling yam. I have to say, this this episode has been a complete mess. From my Wi-Fi in the beginning to us being all over the place. There were, I don't even know what I'm gonna need, what this is even gonna be named, but this is fun, you know. But uh name it Fios is better than Xfinity. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for that, so they won't be getting any credit. So <laughs> But um I don't know. AJ Styles Cena, yay or nay. You guys like it, we've seen it coming. You gotta have a storybook ending, and I and, and this is not gonna be an ending that you want. Cena's gonna win, and and they're gonna move on to your next feud. I have to ask you a question. I understand Cena is the the, the face of the company, but is he allowed to say the stuff? I mean, should he be allowed to to cut promos the way he wants to? First of all, he's been the only person ever to reference the Bullet Club. No, no slap on the hand or anything for that. Now he's saying stuff like, you know. He's kind of like saying stuff like, and, and then, I don't know if you guys heard about Daniel Bryan, who said he was kind of offended by seeing this comment about he's saying like, 
oh, basically, we all know how you are, um, AJ Styles. If it don't work out here, you just go to the next gig and, and, and wrestle there. And it's just like, you know, he's like, and he won't, you know, um, John Cena's like, you know, he's WWE for life because he loves the company. But Dan Bryan was just like, hey, I was fired from WWE twice and I had to go wrestle someplace else. So, like, what are you really saying? Like, everybody don't get it that easy, you know? So, again, like, John Cena is this unscripted promos that he's able to say whatever he want. You really feel like he should be able to go like that? Who's good? I mean, who's going to tell him he can't? If you're the British one there, you make the most money. Who's going to tell you that, that you can't? Yeah. Well, there's a fine line between, like, crazy and genius. And, you know, that recklessness, you know, we kind of, like, we kind of say, like, well, no, he just, he's just talking. It's just a shoot. Like, it's okay. But realistically, John Cena's actually said some pretty interesting things that if another person had said it, they'd be an immediate heel. That's all I'm saying. Um, one of the things that... Right. One of the things that um, Cena said that I remember was that like the day that he came back and he got this long winded promo and he, and he finished it up and said, if this is the start of a new era, then the new era damn sure goes through me. Yep. And then AJ Styles comes out. If anyone else said that, like if, if Kane said that, if Big Show said that, if Mark Henry said that, if Brock Lesnar said that, they would get immediate booze and then AJ Styles comes out to a huge pop. But Cena says that. And it's like, yeah, that's right. Because blue, the new era? So, I, yeah, I think that is interesting that Cena gets to say these borderline heelish things or, you know, these, these arguably um, you know, deconstructive things. And it's just like, okay, well, he's John Cena. Mm. I get it. But what I don't understand is how long will they allow him to do that? And it does that hurt the movement that they're trying to make going forward? Because... WWE has built their career, uh, their brand, or not mentioned in anyone else in the wrestling business at all. They were Rebus Allen. No one else is allowed in. <laughs> I can I mean, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I mean, he's a face company, and I guess you're right. It makes sense. Like anybody else would have said it, the Goners. Anyway, uh, with that being said, free Titus because free Titus. just because just he because. hasn't been seen since the oh never mind I'm sorry just because Mary Young fought him yesterday no uh, you know what I'm I'm so I'm so intrigued that okay the CWC get ready to come on so we're getting ready to get off but I'm so intrigued that I know about the CWC did you guys see uh, Gargano and Ciampa uh, on NXT yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching. Now, do you think that's kind of funny that they got on this before they got to the Cruiserweight Classic, or do you think it should have been the other way around? Nah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I, I don't think it hurts or makes a difference, but... I think I'm happy for both of them that they got signed to NXT. Yeah, congratulations to both of them. And, and, they're um, and, I, and, and I like to say that certain people that are ahead of the crowd are the standard that or the blueprint for the following people. So we look at Nakamura and Oscar as um, not predominantly speaking English and coming from, um, you know, Japan as them being the forefront runners for other peoples of good talent because they know it's there um, to follow that same path. And now we're looking at top indie stars that are like really, really, really well known to come over to make a name. And now they're like the head front to saying like, you know, this is how... You go about your any dates that you already had, and this is how you convert right. over and stuff like that. So, the CWC, the CWC, was basically a purge of the WWE saying, "Hey, we need to get everybody right now and to clean up the market, make other make other people's, you know, struggle for talent, <laughs> while we have a chance to sign in them all, giving them hopes, giving them the platform to be seen." Because some of these guys has never been on TV ever. Right. Yeah. So you know. If you think about it, if you was looking for an entry level job and it was like, hey, we want to give you an opportunity to present something in front of management. And you're just like management. I don't even know if I'm even qualified for this. But hey, it's an opportunity. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to cut all my other gigs and make this work. You know, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the Cruiserweight Classic is basically on the job. Right? It's orientation. Yeah. It's and I think that if, and the rumors are that they want to do a women's tournament, which makes total sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it could be interesting to see if they do another versus the world type of a deal. Yep. You know, any guys from the U.S. and versus other talents from everywhere else. Um, 
that could be interesting. But basically, they have their feelers out, and this is the culmination of their first round draft picks. Um, you know, coming together. This is the scouting combine for WWE. Um, it really is. Because in Kota Ibushi's match, he wasn't even facing the camera at the, at the end of the match. <laughs> and the referee had to point him in the right direction because New Japan doesn't do that. Yeah. They, they, they wrestle. And they send 20 photographers around the ring to capture the action. Right. So it's a, it's a different experience around the world. And WWE style is not everyone else's style, even in North America. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, so thank God for the Queensway Classic to bring these new talent to the U.S. And unfortunately, WWE doesn't promote it on the main roster. I don't understand that. Yeah, so anyway, gotta get the tweeting because you know, this is probably the most interesting time for fans yeah. on Twitter as far as wrestling because uh Raw Raw and SmackDown could be kinda like under exciting at times and stuff like what happened with Eva Marie where she fakes grabs a hamstring injury that she didn't even, she didn't sell that at all. Excellent. Oh, excellent. She didn't need she, she just looked. She sold it better than she sold any wrestling that she's done. <laughs> just the fact that she has her own personal monotone computerized ring announcer that announces her as she comes down, she looks so beautiful with that. Okay. Oh, I'm an Eva Marie fan. Yeah, oh, you I'm are? I'm an Eva Marie fan too for the exact same reasons why I'm not a Roman Reigns fan. I know why I don't like Eva Marie, and because she's an absolute joke in, in the ring. However, they're using that to their advantage. To make something out of nothing. And that can, that can at least appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not saying that she needs to be champion, ever. Oh, she will be. She but will she be. certainly will be. Just so that they can get the reaction that they need. Because if they're not... Roman Reigns has a disinterested kind of a crowd feeling towards them. Like, okay, bathroom break. Even Marie, I want to watch. Because it's like watching NASCAR where squirrels are driving blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Amore. On on that note. <laughs> anyway, this has been again one of the most ridiculous recordings we've had for a while. Um what, what did we talk about? But anyway, we're definitely gonna have a more impromptu type of show like this again because this is fun. Um I'm pretty excited to see Rip Swan who's about to come on now, so I'm getting yep. ready to log off but get back on Twitter and anyway. But anyway, Jamal, we appreciate you coming. Um dropping up for some Knowledge on that Suicide Squad. Um, yep. Mr. Silly Sellers. It's always a pleasure to work with you as, as, as well. Oh, likewise, sir. Likewise. So, um, anyway, this is for uh, Two Chains and the crew uh, and the big Go Bell podcast in the absence of Dr. M, in which we miss uh, Aaron, who's on vacay right now, and D. Wayne, who um, decides that Facebook was more important than us tonight. <laughs> we'll catch y'all on the next one. I feel slighted because I wanted to see the white beater. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you say white beater, that is a war that is a wardrobe thing. D Wayne gives us like all chess, all white beater when we record. Mm. He is so like he has awesome cleavage, just like Watcher Marie. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we got God. <laughs> <laughs>